We're continuing our series in Revelation, um, which is God's plans for what is to come. And it has been a very, um, to be honest, has been a very difficult series. Um, There's a reason why people don't preach Revelation. It's hard. It's unknown. Like I'm, I'm telling you things that, that I think that the scriptures tell us um, with as much certainty to say that that's what the scriptures tell us and that's it. You know, it's not as simple as, you know, love your neighbor. You know, that's easy. That's tangible. You know, we can work on that. But what does it mean that the world's going to end one day? And what does it mean that God will come back and, and reign and rule? And what does that mean for my life? It's, it's harder. And so I'm really grateful. I've been receiving some great feedback. Um, and so really grateful for that as well. But we, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be in Revelation till Christmas. And then, um, and then we'll celebrate Christmas together in Burwood. Awesome. Throughout history, we've seen many empires come, reign, rule, and then crumble as another empire takes over. Now, I'm not a big history buff, um, but um, you know, historians have studied these over and over again. You know how power comes and goes, how they use their power, what they use their power for. Uh, if you search in Google, the greatest empires in history, five turn up. Uh, firstly, uh, you've got the Persian Empire, and our Persian friend is cheering. <laughs> He's a direct descendant from that Persian Empire. And then we've got the Roman Empire, and that's really important because that's the context that uh, Revelation is written, where John is writing to to these Christians that are being oppressed in the Roman Empire. Uh, Later on, we've got the Arab Empire, the Caliphate, Uh, and then we've got the Mongol Empire, and then we've got the British Empire which I found was interesting because it finished in 1940 and I thought, wait a minute, aren't we still a part of the British Empire, the Commonwealth? Anyway, you've got to trust Google. What's interesting about when you study these empires is each of them conquered, each of them built, each of them developed, each of them created culture, and influence in the specific areas they were in. And within each empire, different skills were attained, different knowledge was brought, they shared to upgrade each of the empires. But usually, the command and conquer of each of these empires came at the cost of many lives, as many cities and villages and local towns were conquered and taken over. With each of these empires, Good things, good advancements came, but also bad things came with these empires. And this is our, the history, history of mankind. But there are two things. If you study empires, there are two things that each of these empires had in common. Firstly, they were centric, meaning self-centric, sorry, self-centric, meaning they were self-centered. Each of these empires only had one goal, and that was to um, uphold and to expand themselves. 
There wasn't really any like empire going, yeah, we want to bring globalization and we want to connect all these communities from around the world. You know, there was no empires going, you know, we want to hug trees and we want to protect all the nature in the world. It wasn't like that. It was, how can I become bigger? How can we become bigger? How can we take over more cities? How can we uh, kill more people and make them our slaves? Right? So that's the first thing. Each empire had a desire to command and conquer neighboring towns and villages to make them their own. And that's every empire that we mentioned. But the second thing about all of these empires that they had in common was this. They all didn't last. Not a single one of these empires still exists today. And as much as there was advancement, there was advancement in technology, there's advancements in weaponry, Each empire had its time to rise and to fall. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been reading about how God is planning to redeem his creation. And the first part of that process was that he needed to clear the accounts of mankind on earth. He needed man, excuse me, to, to pay the bills pretty much of what they consumed on earth. The rebellion and the rejection of God the creator. And this was in the case of God's wrath and his justice that punished those who rebelled against God and sinned against him while justice had been given to those who had trusted in God and worshipped the lamb that is Jesus. Now, last week we saw the last of the plagues, the last of the angels, the last bowl of wrath poured on earth. And so we join back now in the story in Revelation 17, where what happens after all of these things end? Okay, Revelation 17, verse 1 to 6. This is going to set the scene. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulterers. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. Now it's setting the scene. So till now, we've seen God's wrath and justice being played out on earth. And now God is cleaning up more of the mess. Now, there's three things that we need to see uh, that set the scene. Number one, we see the description of Babylon. Now, John is introduced to this prostitute. All right, verse 5, Babylon the great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. Right? Now, who's, who's this prostitute, right? The punishment of the great prostitute. Well, 
we, we know that it's not the devil, okay? Because the devil has already been mentioned um, and described as the great dragon. And it's not the beast because the prostitute is actually sitting on the beast. And the beast, we know, were the ones that were assisting the dragon in evil and wickedness. And so actually this prostitute is named Babylon. Now, what do we know about Babylon. Babylon is the term that represents the collective group of the world powers and empires uh, throughout all of history. Now, the word Babylon, the Babylon, um, there's, a, there's an, uh, a famous city by the name of Babylon, and then they become a, a people group that are against God. Now, the Babylon comes from the city that was created from where? Jokes. I wouldn't do that to you guys. Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Right When man's, man sits around and goes, hey guys, you want to all get together, try to build a temple, uh, a tower to God and try to see what God's doing and get on his level. The city that came, even though they were scattered through language in that place, the city that remained in that place was Babylon. And then they become a, a nation, they become a powerful nation. And so sometimes we can think, oh, it's this enemy nation. But actually, it's not just Babylon, but it's every other world power and every other empire that existed, not just pre-Jesus, but also post-Jesus. These empires and these powers were violent. They were seductive. They were ruthless in their desire for control in this world. The woman described was dressed in glitter and gold, presenting us this beautiful picture but, also present, but, but, but there's also a picture of her being drunk on the blood of God's holy, holy people, presenting us a vicious picture of a murderer against God's people. The woman, or Babylon, was powerful and had much influence in the world, but was against God. And we see that the people of the world throughout history are drawn to Babylon are drawn to the power, are drawn to the deception and the seduction rather than submitting to God. So that's who Babylon is. Secondly, not just the description of Babylon, but we see the destruction of Babylon. Verse 14, they will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. We see Babylon. Remember, Babylon is a collective. Okay, It's a collective term of every empire that goes against God. They will go head-to-head against the Lamb who is Jesus, and they will lose. Why? All right? Sometimes we go over this point and, and we, we don't think about it. We just think, oh yeah, they lost. But why do they lose? It's really simple. Because God is more powerful. There is not a power, there is not a power in this world that is greater than God. And I know for some of us, it's hard for us to believe this. We think of these empires, we think back in history, and we think of these amazing, but friends, everything on earth is still part of creation. And God is creator. We're not even the same playing field. So creation goes against God for the final time and they lose because God is more powerful. 
And then we see in all of chapter 18, we see the destruction of Babylon. Um, Key verse, verse 21, Then an angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, With such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never be found again. So as seductive and as influential Babylon has been throughout history, the might of God destroys it once and for all. So the description of Babylon, the destruction of Babylon, and the third one, and I couldn't work out a nice way to continue it on, so I just wrote the celebration of the destruction of Babylon. Sometimes when you do sermons, they just don't work out in nice three points, okay? So in the last part of our passage today, in chapter 19, verse 1 to 10, Babylon is destroyed, and for 10 verses, We're going to see the response of what happens when Babylon is destroyed. And you're going to hear joy. You're going to hear celebration. I'm going to read these nine verses. Sorry, nine verses. Just listen. Listen to the response of what happens when the enemies of God are destroyed by God. 19 verse 1. After this, I heard what sounded like a roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belongs to our God, for true and just are His judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of His servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you His servants, you who fear Him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. You know, One day, and hopefully very soon, there'll be a vaccine for this uh, coronavirus. And many a people, and you know what, for us, right? And sometimes we need to keep this in a little bit of context. For us, COVID is an inconvenience, right? It's an inconvenience at best. But there are many places in this world where it's not an inconvenience, it's a matter of life and death. It's different for us, right? So when the vaccine comes out, we might be like, "Woo!" you know, we can hug each other now. You know, we can go to the restaurant together now. You know, we can sing now at church. But there are people in this world that will be a lot more joyful than us because people around them are dying. See, when we read verses 1 to 9, 
And the destruction of Babylon has just happened. And the celebration and the joy that they're hearing from heaven, finally the enemy has been destroyed. Hallelujah. It's hard for us to fathom this. And this is John's understanding when he heard it. This is his description of what, what he understands of just, there's just crazy party happening. Justice will be served on the last days. Babylon, representing the empires of the world, will be brought to justice and they will be destroyed. Why? Because they chose to go against God Almighty. They murdered God's people, lived their own way. And so when God returns, he will bring justice and destroy Babylon. And this will lead to a huge celebration for God's people acknowledging that salvation and life and glory and power belong to God and God alone. No one else holds on to that but our God. This is a description of what John describes to us of what is to come. That is what is to come. But I want us to go back and just look at one verse. Because you know what? Throughout this whole series, right, there's so many times where like, you can hear this, you can read the passages, and you have to ask yourself, well, that's awesome. God will win. Amen. We're on God's team. Yes, chose the right team. But apart from that, what, what does it mean for me today? Because we believe that God's scripture is living and that as a living scripture that he speaks to us today. As you tune in, if you're online, if you tune in or you're here, you're listening, it's not good enough to just be like, that's great, that's what the Bible says. It's, it's more than just what the Bible says. It's what it says to you. And so I want us to go back and I want to look at one verse. And it's in chapter 18, verse 4, and it reads this. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins so that you will not receive any of her plagues. Now remember, chapter 18 is all about the destruction of Babylon. But we see this one verse in there, this voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. And we just assume that this is the voice of God. And this is the voice of God speaking to his people. For those that know him and for those that reject him even. Now, when we read scripture, firstly, we have to acknowledge the original context that it was written in. So when John wrote this, the warning, this warning would have been going out to who? It would have been going out to the Christians that were being oppressed at the time by the Roman Empire. It would have been easy for those that were there to deny Christ and pledge their allegiance to Caesar. Why? Then they don't have to die. They don't have to be tortured. They can live in what is somewhat a comfortable covering. But in doing so, as much as they share in the present comfort of denying Christ on the last day, they would also share in the judgment, the same judgment for their sins and punishment. See, that's the thing about this world, my friends. It presents to us something beautiful, something comfortable, something pleasurable, and something peaceful even. And it says, come. Follow me. You can enjoy life. We live in Sydney. How nice is the weather? Go to the beach. You don't have to go to church on Sunday. You know how nice the beach is right now? 
it would be so nice, right? 6 p.m. Sunday night, you know, 27 degree day. The water would probably be nice and warm by now. Kids all gone home, you know? It's so nice. That's what the world is presenting to us, you know? (laughs) But the thing is this. Nothing, nothing is ever free. Nothing is ever free. The bill may not come to you right now. It might not even come to you in the next 10 years. And it might not even come to you by the time you die. But at the end, the bill will come. You will need to account for your life, for the choices you've made. And you will need to pay. Now, the best example of this that I was thinking about was our health, right? Health is something you cannot cheat, right? And I, I know we're, we've got three groups of people in our community, right? Right? When I say you cannot cheat your health, there's one group that's like, I don't care. You die, you die, right? I think I'm in that group, right? There's the other groups that's like, that's right, you can't cheat your health. And so they're like, you know, pumping iron every day, right? And there's this other group, right, this last group, and I love this group. They're in denial. They're like, nah, 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 we'll be okay. You know, I won't get cancer. I'm young, I'm fit, you know, I've got my whole life ahead of me. And friends, you might be able to get away without exercising or, you know, eating crappy food. You might be able to get away with it for a week, for even a month, for even a year, for even 37 years or so. But there will be a day where it will catch up to you. And that's what this warning is saying. The warning in chapter 4 is saying, come out of there. Come out of there so that you will not receive the judgment that is for those that are against God. I was asked a question, where is grace in Revelation? You know, last month or so, we've just been talking about punishment and wrath and, you know, the God destroying the earth. And there was this question, well, wait a minute, isn't God a a God of grace, a God of second chances, right? This verse is a prime example of God's grace. God's heart, right? God's heart is not, he didn't wake up one morning and go, I'm going to create this world and they're going to stuff up and I'm just going to wait because I know they're going to stuff up and as soon as they stuff up, but damn, punish them. Throw them into hell. That's sick. If that was God, that's sick. Right? That's a saddest. Right? God, God, God's heart is not like that. God's heart in, in creating the planet was to live in relationship, in unity and harmony with us. It was us that stuffed it up. It was us that made decisions against God. Us that said, you know what, I don't need God. I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to do whatever I want. And I'm just telling you, 
at the end of the day, and when judgment day comes, the bills will need to be paid. And so grace, if you actually look at the big picture of where grace stands, in not just in these verses of Revelation, but the fact that God has not come yet, that, that is grace. The fact that you and I have tomorrow, that's God's grace. His grace and his wrath, are, they're intertwined. The second chance, the second chance is that you get to walk out and you get to make a second chance. That's the grace. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sin, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. This beautiful warning, I believe, is the very warning, gentle but firm warning that the Lord gives to each and every one of us today. And I believe that God is speaking personally to many of us here today, saying to you, come out of Babylon. Come out of living for the ways of the world. Come out of trying to live a double life. Come out or else it will be too late. And if you're stuck on that boat, then you'll face the penalties of where that boat is going. See, friends, as much as we think Revelation, in Revelation, God is about destruction, actually, in verse 4, we see God's heart. And it's a heart of love. His loving and caring heart that desires for his children to not fall into the ways of the world, to not fall into the ways of Babylon, but to be with him so that we can be with him forever. Friends, God is calling us out of a world of sin and darkness so that we can live with him and calling us, some, calling us into something bigger and better than this world. And that's eternity. That's eternal life. And that can only be found in Him. Friends, this world, that will make you all sorts of promises, all sorts of lies. It will give you pleasure temporarily. It will give you peace temporarily. It will give you fun temporarily. And it will make you believe, and one of the best lies that exists in this world, it will make you believe that you are special, that what God has for you is actually, God is trying to restrict you from having fun and being the best person that you can be. One of the greatest lies in the world, as if God would do that to his own children. That'd be sick. But when push comes to shove, and that might not be today, and it might not be tomorrow, but there will be a day where the push comes to shove. Just like every empire that has ever existed, they will, this world will only care for itself. And if you are beneficial to the world, then it will look after you. But as soon as you're not, you're out the back door. You will be found abused and empty. You will be found, em uh, you will be found with nothing. And here's the thing. God's heart breaks for that. You know, sometimes we think that God is, is like, yeah, you want to rebel against me? Fine. 
You go do what you want to do, right? I know what's coming. I know that the punishment's coming. I know you're going to have to pay the bill. And when that happens, I'm going to sit back and go, see? I told you. I told you. See? Oh, you laughed at me before. You persecuted my church before. Ha, ha, ha. Sucks to be you. Sometimes we think that God's like that. But how sick is that if that was like me to my children? My whole life, they don't listen to me. And I'm like, well, you're going to get your own. And then bang, they get themselves into trouble. And I'm, the, I'm, not, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to help you. See, sucked in. Look at this, put it on my, put on my you know, take a photo, put it on my Instagram. I already, I told him 15 years ago. What an idiot. Sometimes you would think, call, call a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a counselor, call, you know, social services. Steve is a mental. He does not deserve to be a father. But the thing is, that's exactly like our God. God is not like that. You think God, you think God rejoices in the fact that, that punishment and wrath and, and justice has to come? No way. That's why we talk about his grace and his mercy. The reason why God has not returned. The reason why we're not a judgment day today is because God is waiting and waiting and waiting and he's making this come out of her. He's crying out to his people, come on. This ship that you're on is going over the cliff. Come out, come out. I can only hold the water for so long. That's God's heart for you. And you know what? For some of us, right, it's not you're just straight out like, I don't believe in God. I'm rejecting God. Because if you were like that, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be streaming in. You'd be at the beach. Right? Not to say that everyone on the beach is going to hell, but a lot of them are. Okay? You know, you're more like, hmm, I like God and I don't want to go to hell, but I also like money and I also like to have fun. So maybe I can have both. Right? Maybe I'll stick one foot on the boat that's going over the cliff and then I'll stick the other foot on the other, on land and I'll just see how that goes. You know, I, I don't think God's like, you're so stupid. I made you in my image, but you're so stupid. You know? Why are you doing like that? I, I don't think God's like that. I think God is genuinely uh, pleading. Get off that boat of destruction. Get off that boat of judgment. Come out. And if that means that this life is going to be a little bit tougher for you, if that means that you're going to have to forego some career options, if that means that you're going to have to forego some pleasure, come out because this life is so temporary. And what I'm offering you is eternity. Grace is the fact that we have this chance right now to come out of Babylon and to escape the judgment that awaits her. Friends, the judgment is real. Babylon, in its concept, is real. And yes, many of us 
at points in our life or even right now have sold into that, the pleasure and comfort and peace of this world, to the temptations and the seductions of this world and what it says it can offer. And for some of us and a lot of this world, living a life that is good, pleasing and pleasurable as if there is no consequence. But friends, I say this in the most loving, loving, loving way. The end will come. Because the scriptures tell us that we're in the last days and the judgment and punishment that is reserved for those against God, for those that are part of Babylon, they will extend to you. And I say it not in a way of judgment, but in a way of love. Because you have a chance. You have the opportunity to come out of Babylon and instead of being seduced by the invitations of the world, we can respond to the invitation from God. And we see this in 19.9. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. This is the alternative. The alternative is that we can turn our backs from the world. We can turn away from, turn our backs from the ways of this world and receive the invitation that God gives to us Himself. He says, Hey, you're invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And the best thing about this wedding party is there are no number restrictions. On this party. Is that a good COVID joke? Okay. I thought it was a good COVID joke. Friends, in the most loving and humble way possible, as your pastor, as your friend, as someone that has been in that situation before, as God calls out to you and says, come out of her, would you take that invitation? And don't be fooled. Don't be fooled of the lie that the enemy gives and says, hey, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's true. That's all true. But you know what? Do it tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. Hey, you want to believe in God? Yeah, that's fine. Do it tomorrow. You want to come out of the ways of this world? Yeah, that's fine. Just, just you know, you're busy today. Just do it tomorrow. Can I tell you? Don't fall for that trap because tomorrow is not guaranteed. God is speaking to you now, here and now. He's giving you this opportunity to turn from the ways of Babylon and make a choice to choose God. And I believe in my heart that God is doing this out of a heart of love and care for your soul. And I pray that tonight you would Maybe consider this very seriously and maybe consider where you stand with God, where you stand in this world, whether you're going to tell me that you believe that Scripture is the living Word of God and maybe you need to make some choices and, and respond tonight to God. So as we do that, why don't we pray? Let's pray.